Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Yo, 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 what's up? It's your boy Howard Q hanging out with Double E, Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Player. Hey, it's your girl Shayna J with SJ Entertainment here to fulfill all of your entertainment needs. And I'm with my girl Ina Esco with the Verbally Effective Podcast. Greetings, greetings, and welcome to another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast. This is the podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis flair. I am your host, your double E, Ina Esco. And as you can see, we are live here at the historic Cossett Library. And today, I am so excited because me and this gentleman have been discussing him sitting down with me on the podcast He is the owner of Dos Hermanos Kitchen, the amazing cafe right here inside Casa Library. I am talking about Chef Eli Townsend is sitting with me in the building. Hi, Chef Eli. What's up, Ina Ina? How are you? I am doing pretty well today. You're looking fabulous. Well, thank you. You know, we should always look our best. (laughs) Yes, we should. Yes, we should. I'm so happy that you're sitting next to me today because I have been wanting to sit down with you and hear your amazing journey. Mm. So we're going to get into all things Chef Eli Townsend. Maybe you go by another name. I'll find out today Uh (laughs) on the podcast. We're going to get into all things Dos Hermanos. We're going to get into all things where you wear other hats in this Memphis community because I know there's so much so many layers to you Chef Eli. Yes. So let's start from the beginning. What part of Memphis are you from? I would guess I would have to say North Memphis. North Memphis. <laughs> yes. Specifically what part of North so, Memphis? So um, for the most part growing up it was uh 6th Street in Bethel right up the street here. That's Fraser. No, that's Sixth Street you? and Bethel, right Sixth off Street of Chelsea. Got you, right yeah. off of Chelsea. So, and then I would say I would be a Raleigh Frazier guy as well um, okay. in my teens. But um, adolescence would be North Memphis and then Frazier, then Raleigh. So you're Memphis born and raised. Tell me about growing up in the North Memphis area. So uh, growing up in North Memphis slash, as you said, Frazier um, is kind of, I was just, um, I was an oddball. I was the odd man out most of the time. Why do you say that? Well, because I just wasn't interested in conventional things that children were interested in. I didn't like toys. I liked board games. Okay. Um, I've liked um, all things like home, domestic, um, hospitality. I've just always been drawn to those things. And so, um, you know, most kids wanted to go outside and play. I'm not an outdoors person. No. I hate the summertime. (laughs) (laughs) I am a winter man all day through and through. What were you doing in the house during the winter? You mean during the summer? During the summer. Um, I was... Cooking. Cooking. <laughs> I was taking my mom's clothes and having yard sales. Wow. Uh, well, that's the story. Okay. And so um, I was just discovering who I was. 
Yes. Pretty much. Wow. So tell me about your family dynamic. I know it's you. Mm-hmm. Do you have any siblings? Of course I do. I have uh, two older brothers, and I have an amazing little big sister. Little big sister. Yeah, she's she the runs boss. you. Oh, she runs all of us. She's really? the boss of me. I'm I'm willing to say that publicly. Wow. Yes. So tell me where did your love for cooking begin? Um, it began in Fraser. Um, we lived across the street um, from West Side High School, and then they were called the New Dawn Apartments. And so um, it was the summer of eighty. Eight, yeah. And Come so on, 88? I was eight years old. Look at the eight. Yes. And um, the bookmobile came around to our apartments. And they had a uh, competition to see who could read the most books and you would win a bike. Uh, subsequently, I could not ride a bike. Again, I didn't like outdoors. But my brother, who is a year older than me, convinced me to enter the contest to win the bike for him, which okay. he later scrapped for parts. But that's another story, too. <laughs> and so um, I began to check out cookbooks. So somewhere in my eight-year-old brain, I thought I would learn how to cook because my mom was a single um, parent and she had four kids. And I was like, somebody has to help her. Mm-hmm. And so uh, prior to, I think... Prior to that, the year before that Christmas, there was a Zares on Danny Thomas, and she, we were going to get the Christmas decorations. Christmas is one of my favorite holidays. Me too. And so we pulled up, and she was like, I just can't do it. I just don't have the energy. At this time, I believe, she, I knew she went to Jet uh, Barber College. She worked at a um, CK's in Carrierville. Mom was busy. She, she rode the bus when we first moved there. She eventually got a car, and I think she worked for a short stint at Crystal. So all, mm-hmm. she was doing all of that, taking care of four kids. She's like, I just can't do it. And so I told her, well, how about this? I'll go in and pick out everything for the Christmas tree, and you can just come in and pay for it. And so I think that was the ignition that was like someone has to help her. Wow. Yep. You and your mom are still close to this day? Uh, my mom is no longer here. Okay. Um, she passed away last year. Okay. And so, uh, but this wasn't a thing that she was interested in me cooking, let me tell you. She wasn't? Oh, no. I got in trouble the first time. I Why? She thought she was going to burn the house down. No, she wasn't even concerned about that. Uh, her thing was, you're wasting food. Why did she say that? Uh, she's a single um, parent mom, and, you know, I'm sitting here playing with food. New cooks play with right. food. <clears throat> and so... Um, and then she was concerned about burning down. So my first meal I ever attempted at age eight was um, spaghetti and fried chicken. Mm. And after that, a wedding cake. I was very at ambitious. At the age of eight. Eight. Um, and so, oh, it was a disaster. So I, um, the, I knew we had all the ingredients in the house. And so I uh, browned the ground beef, um, which then I probably would say fried. <laughs> and so um, the only thing I had ever seen at that time uh, w- when you use a colander or as people say strainer was whatever you put in there, you washed. Mm-hmm. So imagine seasoning the ground beef, and then putting it in a strainer, it. and no. then washing all the flavor away. So I did that, <laughs> and then I put it in a pot. Then I put the uncooked noodles in the pot. Uh, I was fancy, so I put the whole tomatoes in the pot and squished them, and that's how Come I was making on. spaghetti. And then I attempted to fry chicken. What it, happened with that? Uh, it was Black on the outside, red on the inside. But at least you didn't start a fire. I did not. Um, and so, uh, and it was weird though because it was a Friday night. I'll never forget it. And I did have to open the back door. It was a little smoky. A lot uh, of smoky. Yeah. <laughs> it was smoky. I will say that. And okay. so, um, 
I um, from there, um, it was Friday, and generally somehow she managed to order us X line pizza on Fridays. That's when they used to deliver, and so um, my brothers and sisters they all were threatening to like jump me. Because mm. my mom was like, oh, you all are going to eat this. You're not wasting my food. But she eventually ordered the pizza, and that's how, that's how it began. And so when she really saw that I had a real interest in it, uh, my mom um, loves to cook as well. I, later, I found out later in life it was always her aspiration to have a restaurant. Wow. And so um, she kind of let me help her with some catering that she would do for friends and church and things of that nature. Wow. So it started so early for you. Yes. And it is continuing to this day. Um, I'm going to stay in this time frame in your Mm -hmm. journey right now because um, we're going to get into your high school. What high school did you attend? Frazier High School Rams. Yes. Frazier. Class of 1996. Come on, class of 1996. What were you involved in over at Frazier? Everything. Mr. Frazier. I was Mr. Frazier High School. (laughs) Um, I was a part of the choir. I was a part of the band. I was on the tennis team. Um, I was in the drama club. Um, You name it, I probably was a part of it. Very active. Are you still close to any of your your classmates? Oh, my best friend in high school is still my best friend to this very day. Um, Jason Young, that's my best friend. We met my senior year at Frazier. We've been best friends ever since. And so, um, and I also was a part of this organization. It was called Pride. Mm -hmm. It was this drug-free organization. I was like the Just Say No president until senior year. And so, um, (laughs) but I still, you know, 33 years later, uh, my mentors then, they just came and had lunch here maybe about three weeks ago. Wow. Yes. Still connected. Still connected. It's a, it's truly a blessing to have people in your life who've seen you go from a boy to a young man to an adult. Um, and just it, it's a blessing to be able to still have those people in your village. Indeed. Yes. What did Chef Eli do once you graduated from Fraser High School? So, although, you know, life is funny. Although at eight, I discovered cooking and I loved it, I went to college um, on a music, a choir scholarship, band scholarship, tennis scholarship. I went to Russ College, the Citadel. Oh, really? Yes, Come Citadel on, on the Hill. And um, I was a musical theater major. Okay. Yes. And so I was very much into uh, the theatrics as now I think they've just become a part of my everyday life more so than a career <laughs> path. And did you compete in competitions oh, and we all compete. that? Oh, we compete. Axo. Yes. I did all those things. I can remember I knew I was special <laughs> or different. Um, eighth grade, my English teacher, her name was Miss uh, Linda Delaney. Not Linda Delaney. Um, Delano was her name. Mm-hmm. And so she, um, we had to do a dramatic interpretation for Black History Month, right? And so I was like, what am I going to do? So me, um, I was really into Langston Hughes. Mm, me too. And so I told my mom, I said, I want to do mother to son. She was like, that's a woman talking to her son. I said, no. So I um, got our minister at church to lend me his robe, his black robe. Because, you know, back then people just wore black. Now they, you know. So he had a black <laughs> robe. I got that. I took um, one of my um, my oldest brother's white dress shirts and put it on top of the black robe. So I dressed like a slave. A slave. <laughs> yeah. Put tissue in my mouth to make my jaws, baby powder on my face. And then I tied a, a, one, a bandana, you know, the red handkerchief scarf like a man. You were in character. Very much so. 
um, I got an A plus plus. Wow. Now I got bullied. You got bullied. <laughs> I did. You know, I got bullied as a child. Really? Why? Because yes. um, you were different. I was different. Um, now I know it was sexuality. I mean, I didn't even know what that was. You know, you know, people, I'm in the seventh, eighth grade, and, you know, I was a punk. I was this, I was that. And mm -hmm. so that's where I learned um, the power of words. Mm -hmm. And so I remember um, my, my bully. I remember his name today, but I won't call him out today because he's since tried to reconcile. But, oh, um, really? Yes, he has. Um, um, yeah, we ended up having being in the same circle. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, but it's funny about bullies, who they become in, in life. It really <laughs> is. And so I remember one day we were leaving Miss Hollingsworth's math class, and he called me um, a faggot. And so he said that to me, and I looked at him and I said, is that all you got? I've been called worse by better people. Mm. And the crowd went crazy. It was like, ooh. So at that point, you know, I've never been in a physical fight with anybody outside of my siblings in my entire life. Mm -hmm. But I learned that words were my power. That's how I could fight people. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it gets me in trouble. <laughs> I'm it? learning how to use that better mm -hmm. as an adult um, and be responsible and impeccable with my word versus using it to harm people in the manner that they harm me. But it taught me the power of words. And after that day, he never messed with me again. And then tried to reconcile recently. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So even at a young age, you knew that you were gay. I knew I knew that I was different. Okay. I didn't know what that looked like. That's okay. what people told me. Okay. So I guess I kind of like, okay. When did you realize? Uh, when did I realize? Mm -hmm. For mm -hmm. yourself. So I knew, but I didn't know what to call it. I knew at five. Okay. Or four. Let me be clear. Mm -hmm. I knew I didn't know what to call that. Mm-hmm. I just knew I, my babysitter's name was Miss Davis. Uh, there was this young man by the name of David who went to the babysitter, and me and David were very good friends. Oh, hey. <laughs> I just knew that. Gotcha. You know? And um, I, I can recall we got a whooping for being too close as boys. Mm, by yes. your mom? No, by Miss Davis. By Miss Davis. She got permission from my dad. Okay. And, you know, back then, you know, you got whoopings how you came into the world. Right. So, but you want to know, he <laughs> one of the funniest thing after they gave us a whooping? Guess yes. what they did? What? You know, back then, people would whoop you with switches, didn't make you take baths. Yes. They made us take one together. I'm like, no, they a, did not. As an adult, I'm like, this is, that was the <laughs> weirdest thing in the world. <laughs> but, yeah, so I knew that. I knew that I was different, and I was okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, it was people who had the problems. Now, my brothers and sisters, they were the soldiers, like, you say the wrong Don't thing. Don't mess with Eli. It's about to be. No, it's going to be something. That's why I've yeah. never really gotten into a fight, too. You know, because yeah. people, like, picked on me for weird things. Oh, you think you can sing? Oh, you think you better? And so it was a conundrum because all of the uh, girls were my friends. They liked me. Mm -hmm. We hung out together. So it was that uh, perplexity where, you know, oh, maybe we should be his friend, but we can't be his friend all that jazz. Wow. And that happened up until um, 12th grade. 12th grade. You know, but by then I was... Um, somewhat confident in who I was so I learned that you know only words have power that when you give them power gotcha yeah. how's your relationship with your father um, my father's deceased as well okay and so but we had a great relationship we were able to uh, repair and restore our relationship as adults 
Um, subsequently, at one point in life, we end up being next door neighbors. Mm-hmm. And my father also uh, loves food as well. Mm-hmm. So I would consider him a grill master. Um, and he's a gadget guy. So he would have every gadget in the world as it pertains to um, cooking. And so whenever I do put out this cookbook that I've been writing for 10 years. Oh, we got to um, get that cookbook going. <laughs> I know. So it's me. It's like 80% done, but it's, um, I don't really have the official title, but the premise is recipes and stories from my heart. And it just talks about people who impacted my life. They each have a recipe. My um, father's story is called um, Cabbage and Pressure Cooker. Mm. Yep. What trait do you feel that you've been given from your father? And what trait did you get from your mother? One Uh, trait. One trait. My father... Hard work. Uh, My father was a very hard worker. He was disciplined in work. He believed in the value of earning what it is that you desire in life. You know, his motto was, I'm not going to buy you a car, not because I can't. You won't appreciate it. When you buy yourself that car, you're going to take better care of it than the car that I would give you. So he was that guy. Okay. My mom. mom, mm, I think I got... um, I guess I dare to say, so I can't say one thing about my mom. I just can't say one thing because there's two it's things so that make me of who I am. It would be my, I guess, star quality just out there. Um, my mom was very, um, my mom could sing as well. She mm-hmm. could cook. She's even profession, did some professional singing um, and things of that nature, some background. And um, how to be a kind human. Mm-hmm. I got that from my mom. You know, the importance of your morality being what it is and not allowing someone else's actions to determine what that looks like. Gotcha. And so that's a, that, those two things, I think, are a big part of who I am. Wow. Mm-hmm. Your story is so amazing, Eli. And for the sake of time, we're going to fast forward a bit into Dos Hermanos. Okay. Let's get the story on how this all developed. Okay. So, you know, um, one day I was walking down Main Street. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Um, <laughs> and uh, my good friend, Ty- singer-songwriter Tanya Renee Dyson. Hey, Tanya. Hey. Um, she was having um, lunch with Shamichael Hallman, who used mm-hmm. to be over the project before he did an internship at Harvard. And so um, she was like, Eli, come here. I was across the street, so I went across the street. And she said, um, prior to, I learned, uh, he was trying to vet someone to put in the space. And then, as she says, it was serendipitous. I walked down the street. She says, there's the person right there. Wow. And so I walked over there, and um, he was like, uh, she introduced me, and she was like, he was like, Tanya said you may be interested in having a cafe in the library. I said, I may be interested. And so um, he was like, that was a Tuesday. He Mm -hmm. said, but here's the thing, the bid needs to be in by Friday. Mm. So circling back, the name came up, Dos Hermanos, before the opportunity came. The name came up um, with a former business partner. I made some lamb tacos. Mm -hmm. He was like, oh, we should call ourselves Dos Hermanos and sell lamb tacos. And so once that opportunity came around, I was like, "Um, that would be a good mantra in a public space, Dos Mm -hmm. Hermanos, two brothers, all inclusive, you know. And so um, we had four days to get a bit together so my village came together uh, my friend who's an accountant
Mountain, my friend who works in marketing. Um, shout out to Linda Steele from Art Up, who has uh, been a catalyst in me being able to sit in this very seat today with all of the support and resources that Art Up have provided for me since about 2017. Wow. And so um, we got the bid together. And um, actually, I was a minute late. One minute. And they denied it. They let me know I didn't in, they let me know in December of 2020 that I did not get it. I didn't tell one soul. Mm. I didn't say anything to anyone. I just said, oh, I haven't heard anything. How did you feel? Um, Disappointed in myself. It was my, you know, um, I consider myself at times to be a superhuman. And I'm learning the value of saying, I can't do that. Or that's going to be too much to me for me. And, you know, so I went along with my regular day and I was just one minute late. And that's because I was waiting on a part of it from um, someone who was supposed to contribute and it was late. Mm -hmm. And but um, so that's how I felt about it. And then January got a call from Shamichael. Um, well, no, I talked to him when he um, told me I was like, do you know my story? And He was like, what do you mean? And I gave him the background about the bookmobile. He said, let me get back with you. Mm. And so I think that was the thing that brought it all together. And then even in that, um, once I was even given it, um, my affiliation with um, a colleague um, almost jeopardized it, too, because of their position on some things. And, you know, so but I just believe what's for you is for you. Mm -hmm. And so um, in January of 2021 is when I found out that um, I will be acquiring the space. Mm -hmm. And so we began to work on it, ideas and things of that nature. And it, had, it was a lot of obstacles, a lot of challenges. And, you know, you know, it was one of those things where, where is Waldo? When is those hermanos opening? <laughs> you know, <clears throat> excuse me, even in my personal life, it was a strain on my um, relationship because it was a big part of what it was supposed to provide. Yeah. And um, waiting. You know, in my mind, I'm like, so do I stop? When am I going to be able to stop catering or tell people that I, I pull back this and that? So mm -hmm. it was always that thing. And I just got to a space where um, what's for you is worse for you. Um, when things don't happen in the time um, that you think they should happen, they happen in God's time, and his time is divine. And yes. so um, he's making the way for you. He's clearing out the path, you know, eliminating um, challenges that could come, and he, you know, the seen and unseen. And so when I begin to rest in that, I just let it go. I mm -hmm. knew that it would happen. I knew it was mine, uh, you know. Um, you know, little known fact, I paid um, in been paying insurance on this place since 2021 2021 because when you to get the contract you have to have a certain type of insurance blah 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 and so that's a that was a part of the contract mm -hmm. you know but I was graciously reimbursed for that um but it, yeah it was one of those things where you know you know I paid for the POS system since 2022 mm. you know and so it's just one of those things it happens when it's supposed to happen yeah. you know had it happened last year 
when it was supposed to happen, it would have happened immediately when my mom passed away. Mm. And I can't see, um, you know, me being able to move forward in that space. So, again, yeah. divine timing. But we're here. We, we are here. We are here. And the menu has evolved. At first, you know, honestly, at first I just submitted some things just to see, you know, um, the, the thing about the creative process that I think a lot of people don't think about sometimes is sometimes it just happens when it happens. Mm-hmm. And you can't make it happen. You, you know, I get frustrated with that because with catering and food and sometimes there's deadlines. People want to know this, this and that. And sometimes I don't know that until it happens. And yes. I've allowed myself, you know, that's a part of me becoming an entrepreneur. That doesn't work for a restaurant. You know, they need to know they, um, you know, restaurants are for me, they're a little mundane because if you put something on the menu that's really good, people want you to keep it on there forever. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, um, and I was like, this is enough for me to maintain. Catering is my first love. I love catering. What is the difference with catering versus running a restaurant? Um, A restaurant, it's just a daily thing. Mm -hmm. So catering, you book me, we, I give you an experience, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, where you taste the love, treasure the experience, mm-hmm. and then we're done with each other, <laughs> unless you become a repeat client. Mm-hmm. However, with the restaurant, you know, it's a daily thing, and it makes you um, have to um, learn, like, it's made me learn some business things that, you know, I don't really want to know. You know, yeah. I'm a true creative, but, you know, I have to be a part of that process. And so um, I just prefer that. But this was small enough and manageable enough to where it still gave me the space to be creative and not um, consume all my time. Prior to, I don't know if you know, but um, I was a part of Sage. Um, yes. When it first opened, I created all the food for, um, for Sage um, along with Jules Jones. Shout out to Jules. And so... Um, yeah. And so that was that was that was some of the hardest work I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. I can recall not really having an off day for like the first year, like literally, I'm not exaggerating. I attended Sage when they first opened mm-hmm. and it was every time I went on Main Street it was just lit, it was packed. Man, it was a beautiful It was experience. something new. Yes. The it food was, was great. Yes. It was a it was a it was an arranged marriage. Uh, prior to that, it was Oshie Asian Kitchen, mm. and the guy, um, we became friends, the chef there, because they had karaoke on Saturdays. So look how I, you see Come how on, karaoke. You see how you <laughs> And so it, they had karaoke. So I would go for karaoke. Mm. He was like, so I'm closing the place, but the guys that are interested, um, I think you all should meet because the food that you prepare, I think, goes along with their vision. Mm. So it was an arranged man. And, you know, I've heard those things several times. So I really, I took it with a grain of salt, but... He called, they called. We did a tasting at my home um, in July of 2018. Mm-hmm. And as they say, the rest was history. We um, became, um, we built a partnership, um, a brotherhood. And so, you know, I'm glad to see it's, this is the fifth year anniversary and Sage will be there. You know, you can hear us shout it out in the airport. You yeah. know, this is Chef Eli from Sage. Yes. So, yeah. So, you know, wow. it, beautiful, overall beautiful experience. And, you know, it's um, helped me be right here where I am today. What is your favorite item on the menu here at Dos Hermanos? Oh, favorite item, you know. And you have specials throughout the week that we absolutely love as well. Mm, I don't know that I have a favorite. I love the way the falafel waffle sounds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just catchy. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And I, I don't have a favorite. 
fan favorite? Fan favorite chicken salad is definitely a fan favorite. Um, The seafood ceviche and zucchini fritters are a favorite. Of course, everybody seems to love Taco Tuesday. I love Taco Tuesday. Where we have oxtail, lamb, vegan, and shrimp, so there's no excuse, right? Uh, The salmon croquette. But the vegan taco, though. I know, right? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? And then you just mentioned salmon Croquettes. See, like how I said that. <laughs> Look, salmon versus let salmon. Let me tell you, he two be on words where the hell is salad? That is salmon and almond. I don't think everyone knows that. They don't. It's uh, it's not almond. It's almond. Almond. Yeah. Salmon. Salmon. Yes, and you've just extended your hours. We just extended them, right? So those hours, because there seem to be, I know, you know. What grabs my gears is when I send a thorough email and then people <laughs> ask questions like, I didn't put it in there. It's in there. You just read, misread it. Right. So, for clarity purposes, our hours are Tuesday through Thursday, 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m. We are going to close from 2 to 4 on those days. And our last call will be at 7.30 um, p.m. that night. On Fridays, we are going to be open 12 p.m. to 6 p.m., which is Flatbread Fridays. Mm. And Saturday, we have Brunch on the Bluff, and that is from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Gotcha. Oh, I forgot Thursdays, which is tomorrow. You can bring your own vinyl. And so we have um, a record player. I saw the record player yeah. today. Yeah, so we can, we've had it forever, you know. Yes. You What's sit right there I'm all glad the time. you took it out. It's out every day. So are they bringing the vinyls? They can bring their vinyl and we'll okay. play it for them. Maybe not the whole thing. You know, you might get one or two songs. Right. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. Wow. Well, you know, I frequent your restaurant every time I'm here and I love it. <laughs> Thank you. And and I'm looking forward to the cooking demo as well. And I think a lot of people want to know, because you wear many hats, mm-hmm. who is Chef Eli outside of Dos Hermanos? Because mm-hmm. you wear a lot of hats, my friend. Okay, so what do I do or who am I? Both. Okay, so what do I do? I um, So my day generally starts about 5.30. Mm-hmm. I go to a recovery center for men where they are rehabilitated from drug and alcohol. Mm-hmm. I make them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Really? Monday through Friday. I didn't know that. Um, yes. Um, it is, um, you know, I toy with, okay, so when the cafe opens, I'm going to have to stop doing that. But it's become a labor of love for me. Um, it is something humbling about it that um, I am a part of their healing process. And so I take that very seriously. And so, um, and what it's taught me, um, too, is uh, Maya Angelo has a quote that states, nothing human is alien to me. And so when we think of people rehabilitating from drugs and alcohol, we they have this stigma where, you know, they're not viable people in society but these people have families they have Mm -hmm. degrees they have lives and somewhere life became unmanageable or too hard and they turned to this and so that could easily one thing you know could happen that sends me down that path and so it's a constant reminder that nothing human is alien to me and it has um, helped me understand and be able to meet people where they are Mm -hmm. and, and not from a place of judgment 
I love it. Yes. I love it. Now, other than... Uh, other than that, oh, that was some more of the question, right? So I'm also uh, the president of the Downtown Neighborhood Association, which uh, my tenure will be ending in February. It's one of those bittersweet moments. And so... Um, the president, what are the duties of the president of the Downtown Neighborhood um, It is to work alongside of my board um, so that we can really um, keep the interests of uh, downtown residents, businesses um, in mind as we progress and we grow, as well as making sure that it is a place for all Memphians where they can come and feel included. And so, um, you know, I attend safety meetings. We have a monthly meeting every month. Last month, it was right here at the Costed Library. Um, I attend workshops. Um, we do community cleanups. We host a national night out. We have an end of the year event every mm. year. Um, and so um, it's just it's a social organization, but it's really for um, members of downtown to just have a place where they can send their voice and we can represent it for them. And I'm glad you brought that up uh, before we get into your other hats. Okay. Because you how long have you been downtown? Um, I've been down here five consecutive years, but most of my adult life while okay. I lived in Memphis. So the organization that you are president of, you mentioned um, you guys focus on the businesses that are thriving out here. And I just saw on yesterday that Mayor Strickland proposed uh, closing down businesses and bars at an earlier hour on Bill Street mm. to combat some of the violence mm -hmm. that Memphis has been experiencing. What are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think mm -hmm. that's a viable option? I think it is um, a temporary solution to an ongoing problem and something that needs something a little more concrete because it's just not a one-fold thing. You know, so yes, crime is high. People are unsafe. But we have to break that dichotomy down. So the crime is high because poverty is high. And it's always been high in Memphis. Yes. I mean, and so you have to look at your percentage of youth who have no outlets or who don't even have the parenting or the rearing to take them to these places, mm -hmm. to put them in positive spaces. So, you know, we have to start there, you okay. know. And then from there, you know, everyone has to play their role. You know, I know that we have been um, understaffed. The police department has been understaffed for a couple of years now here. But at the same time, I've also went to those spaces, witnessed those officers. And this is not saying that they don't do their job, but I've also seen them congregated amongst each other. And I've often felt, you know, I'm, um, I'm very non-confrontational. I know that might surprise some people. I'm very direct, but I'm not, I don't want to start anything with a person. And I've even fit, not felt comfortable just walking up to them asking questions because your job is to protect and serve. So I think maybe if you were more open mm -hmm. to people walking up, or just engaged you know, or in tune, you know. Um, unfortunately, cell phones have ruined our sense of connectivity as humans. And so we're always in my phone. That minute you take a look in your phone, something could be going on, mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, just good, decent human values. If you see something that looks bad, say something. Not to them. Report it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's just it's, it's a loaded thing. There's not a one answer solution mm -hmm. you know unfortunately i can see where someone would think closing it earlier might help but also it impacts those people's businesses it impacts jobs it imp in tourism it, it goes down the line so we all have to come to a table together 
Yeah. You know, with solution-oriented ideas and thoughts and realistic ones. And, you know, really figure out how do we handle this problem. Because it's not just a downtown issue. It's a city-wide issue. Um, I live downtown. 13 cars about three weeks ago, including mine, got broken into. Yes. So that, this is the third window I think I've replaced wow. in a year. So, yeah, it's an issue. But, yeah. you know, unfortunately, it's one of those things where these organizations that we have, we have to work together. You know, yeah. we have to work with the downtown commission. They have a safety meeting every month where five or six people attend. But you're concerned That's about it. you're concerned about the safety, you know. Come on, Memphis. You know, I just believe, you know, if you want change, you have to be a part of it. Yes. And this is going to be a big challenge for our next mayor. I know, right? Right. I mean, it's so many candidates. It's about 16, I believe. Let's talk about that real quick since Let's you got me buried all my soul. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you won't break my soul. Either. Are you telling us who you're you. endorsing today? Um, I haven't decided that wholeheartedly, mm -hmm. but I have a top two. Who are your top two? One is a male, one is a female. That's all you get to know. They know who they are. Okay. Okay. Also, I'm the president of Downtown Neighborhood Association, so I don't want it to be affiliated that the president True. said he's a, you know, because as a, a nonprofit, I can't technically say that. Why so. do you think so many people are in the race? I mean, because you can run, I guess. I, I was about to cuss. I was about to say shit. I said it. <laughs> anyway, so, um, <laughs> well, here's the thing. So that's where, again, we have to act as a community, right? Mm -hmm. So we decide as a community who are the top two people that we can put in this position where effective change is going to happen, and we rally around those people. Mm -hmm. We don't let Ronnie Bobby, Ricky, Mike, New Edition run for mayor, and then we split the vote. Because we already have a low voter percentage. We have a lot of the um, elderly people who have fought for voting and things of that nature and people who are forward-thinking voting. But, you know, a lot of people don't even exercise their right. They and don't. so here we are splitting votes, and we don't have the power for a viable candidate. Yeah. That's how, you know, that's how the civil rights m m movement was effective. You know, they could have put anybody on the bus, but they decided this is who's going to go on the bus. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen after she gets arrested because we know that she is. These are. Th they were organized. They were organized. And we're not because everybody wants to be somebody yeah. and everybody wants to be heard and think they can take the charge and lead, you know. But to be a great leader, you have to be a great follower. You do. And you have to want whatever it is that you want to happen. You have to want it to happen, whether you're going to get the recognition for it or not. Yeah. And yeah. in this big year of 2023, mm -hmm. you would think that we would organize much better here in Memphis. But um, when I think back on previous mayoral races, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the amount of candidates were high, the votes were split. Mm -hmm. it, it's a trend here. It is. It is. And so we, we have to... We have to come together and figure out what's the best solution for us as a city. Because here's what happens when a city continues to go into poverty and crime. Because they don't invest in their greatest resource. And you know what that is? It's what? the people. Always. When you invest in your greatest resource, which are the people, you get a different result. You know, so and we need someone, you know, I'm not an ageist, but we need someone, you know, with a little life, with a little, I want to say, I'm not going to use a the word vibrancy, life, um, who's forward thinking, forward thinking, you know, and maybe can take some guidance and some wisdom from someone who knows the due process, mm -hmm. you know, like, for instance, you know, if you, like for it, 
Jim Jim Strickland, this is he's termed out, right? He's termed you know, out. So ideally, someone in a leadership position, you if you can find a person that you can groom, you groom them for it's that not position. It's not a lot of grooming. It's not a lot of you grooming. You know, you groom them. You, you should. shouldn't be sitting in the seat for over 15 or 20 years as a representative. You because should. at some point, you're going to become ineffective. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a hollow opus to everything. There's a cap. You know, we have to learn when there's nothing being served at the table or we can't serve anything at the table, that it's time for us to get up and allow someone else that space to make positive change. Boom. I yeah. know who you're talking about. You don't. <laughs> you were making assumptions. <laughs> I told you I have two Chef people. No, I so know, okay, you got two I people. I got two people. I think I know who those two, two okay. people are. I'll tell you off the record. You can tell me off the record. Okay. But um, I'm glad that you're very engaged in this process. You and, got to and you be. Gotta be with, yeah. Even with your role mm. as the president of the Absolutely. Downtown Neighborhood Absolutely. Association. So I know you pro- you guys probably talk about some of these things in the meetings. Yes. And everything is affected. It is. Yeah. You know? Why are you running for mayor? You don't live in the city. But that's a whole nother thing. Could Chef Eli be running for mayor in another four years? <laughs> no, no. Not four. Not four. Maybe eight? I love it, Eli. No. I like the look um, you gave me. <laughs> I'm going to go wherever my path is supposed to go. Uh-huh. And if I am to become a civil servant, then that's what will happen. Just put me um, as communications on your team, if that happens. Okay. Okay. We can talk about that. Deal. Okay, All right, right now we're going to have some fun All right. on the Verbally Effective Podcast fun, live fun, here fun. at Cossett Library. We're going to jump into Esco's Pop Talk and talk about some trending news, mm. pop culture news. Mm. Now, uh, very recently, are you familiar with Just Hilarious? Absolutely. I just posted a, a video of her the other day talking about natural hair. It was hilarious. Okay. Uh-huh. So she has been sitting in on iHeart's. Uh, Breakfast Club. I haven't seen her lately, and a lot of people are thinking that she has not been on there because of some comments that she made about um, the LGBTQ plus community, about a woman being a woman and um, transgender. Um, People could not have that right to say that they are. It it was a lot that was said, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people are thinking that (coughs) she's no longer on the air with the Breakfast Club because of that. They're trying to cancel just hilarious Mm. did you hear the video that she posted i watched it absolutely and what were your thoughts um my thoughts were so both sides Mm -hmm. so you know oftentimes when we're passionate about something or we feel impacted by a comment that someone has made i think sometimes we need to stop and really listen don't hear what someone is Mm -hmm. saying don't hear what someone is not saying and listen to what they're actually saying um so for me i think she was speaking out of emotion she was i do believe that uh some of the things she said had validity i just think you know when you speak out of emotion they don't always come across as they should Mm -hmm. you know and so i think on both sides of the table though you know here's the thing about acceptance right um oprah she's she gives this talk she says i've interviewed all these different types of people in the world you know presidents beyonce and all her beyonce-ness and do you know what each one of them asked me after was it good enough Mm. 
Did you see me? Mm -hmm. So we all just want to be seen. We all just want to be accepted. But you can't be so gung-ho and strong on your position that you can't see the other person's position. Even the devil has his own side of the story. And who are you to say that his perspective or his point of view is skewed because it doesn't align with what you believe? So I think, when again, when we're looking for to truly be understood and seek understanding, we also have to consider the other person's perspective and point of view and not speak from an emotional place because okay. we're all human and you know we all can miss um, uh, misspeak you know mm-hmm. but we also have to be accountable and be responsible for the things we say on platforms that impact a lot of people do That's you think Jess will be canceled? No. I think um, it's smart for her to lay low. She is laying low low. You know, I think it's also, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it would be great if, you know, her and T.S. Madison could actually sit down and have a conversation. I could see both of them being... Um, open to it but you know also if you I, I listen to the breakfast club regularly and so apparently she told this story a couple of weeks ago where there was this celebrity uh, basketball player who was in her dms and actually thought she was transgender right and I so i it. think that was some of her emotion behind it as mm-hmm. well you know so this man has already thought this about me and now you're saying that I'm not this and that. You know, mm-hmm. but people have a right to feel how they feel about it. Yeah. And who are you to tell them that they can't? And you know what? T.S. Madison has been trying to extend the olive branch. Mm-hmm. Like, T.S. Madison seems to me so open mm-hmm. to communicate, but just, you know, well, she's been laying low, like you said. We don't know where she's and standing. She, she just at this may point. not be in the space. You know, we have to allow people to be able to come to spaces in their own terms. You know, for instance, you know, I I think if you're figuring out who you are, right, Mm -hmm. and how you want to show up, then you have to give other people the space to accept that. And you have, you know, and let them come into it in their own time. Because, you know, we can't force someone to accept something when we're ready for them to. And then, you know what, it's really turning into um, Pandora boxes open. Let me say Mm -hmm. that because now Tasha K is a part of this um, situation we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And T.S. Madison is actually talking about um, filing um, a police. Uh, claim against mm-hmm. her, not a lawsuit. I was just listening to this on a, on a to a blog yesterday about mm-hmm. this because of Tasha K exposing some of T.S. Madison's information mm-hmm. that she should not have. Right. Like it's a crime, mm-hmm. right? So this story is just really developing, and I guess Jess wants to stay out of it. She like she already did. I mean, she I did. would, but at the same yeah. time, you know, I just think we've become uber sensitive as a society. We have become sensitive, and we we have become, a lot of people want a lot of attention online. And we have to learn how to create welcoming spaces to have uncomfortable conversations. We do. And that's what it is. You know, create a space for mm-hmm. us to be able to really give our viewpoints. You don't have to agree that so- someone has the right to say, I don't want to be called cisgender. Mm-hmm. They got that right. I don't identify as that. Isn't that what you're saying? I identify as this. Why can't they not identify as that? It's one of those things where everyone needs to create space to hear everyone else and be open. 
I agree, Chef Eli. Also in Esco's Pop Talk, Mm -hmm. Lizzo has been in the headlines, baby. Now, Lizzo, there are some former dancers that have accused Lizzo of some salacious conduct. uh, Former dancers are saying that, you know, they have been put in hostile work environment situations where um, they were told to participate in different acts. <laughs> I don't even want to See, say that. Let me just say this though. As an <laughs> adult, make you do as it. an adult, you telling me you were told. I mean, you make choices. And that's not I don't know the circumstances. I don't know the situation. Mm-hmm. So that's not saying anyone's lying or anything. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, you know, the first time you're asked if you're uncomfortable, then after that it's a choice mm-hmm. to some degree to stay. Or to participate, you know, um, I just, you know, I'm a, you know, aftermath um, tellings are just always a little, there's your side, their side, and there's the truth somewhere. And so some, we have to uh, decipher what that is, but you know. um, Are you a Lizzo fan? Um, I like some songs. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I'm a fan, mm-hmm. but I like her music. I like the positivity of it. Um, I like her um, confidence in herself, mm-hmm. and you know. But yeah, I just mm. you saying like y'all should have been said something. Um, or how long were you on tour? <laughs> How long were you a dancer? <laughs> were you a dancer just as long as it was on Amazon Prime? And right. then once you got off Amazon Prime, you feel coming away. You know what I mean? The so, list of people are growing. Like, re- they really coming out the woodworks now. Well, well you know, then when, it, when it's like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. I don't yeah. I, I want to, st- I like to stay out of stuff like that. Because then people are like, you can't tell people how to feel. I'm not. Yeah. I just, mm. Yeah. And I think it, it kind of grew like, I don't something. need to hold anything. And if yeah. I've moved on, why, why is it important for you to share that publicly? Mm-hmm. And so you're saying she shamed you and you want to shame her. What does that solve? Yeah. You know, did you ever, you know, did you ever speak up for yourself? Did you ever go to her in a private setting and be like, you know, you said this and this and that, and I didn't appreciate that, or, you know, we just never know. Mm-hmm. You know, fame is an ugly beast. Mm. It is. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know what that looks like. And I just, mm, I don't get into, yeah. you know. Well, you may not be the biggest Lizzo fan, but I know you a Beyonce fan, and you just saw her recently. How was the no, Renaissance tour? Oh, my God. It was overwhelming. <laughs> it was overwhelming. Why do you say that? Because, so here's the thing. I'm not a beehive. Let's be clear. Not a beehive. I'm not. I am a fan. I'm appreciator of hard work. Mm-hmm. See, it's not that just, you know, she's the person out front that does all this wonderfulness effortlessly, right? Okay. The lights, mm. the costumes, the production, mm-hmm. all of these entities, she's there from the beginning, you know. I mean, her team, though, is a machine. Mm-hmm. Like, the content that they create, uh, but she is in every aspect of that Mm -hmm. and so you don't have to be a fan to appreciate hard work to um creativity you know oh she can't sing says you who don't know what an a flat is Uh, beyonce can sign you know so it's those kinds of things that annoy me with people but you know you know opinions are like "Mm, everybody has one what was your favorite part of the show Mm, 
favorite part of the show. The beginning, actually. Why? Tell me about Because, it. you know, she did a little Tina Turner <laughs> and not the song, Ooh. but she took us nice. And then she got rough, mm -hmm. you know. She just sang for about the first five or six songs. Her standing there at a microphone. Yeah. And, you know, you know. so it wasn't my first Beyonce concert. My okay. first Beyonce concert. My first Beyonce concert. I don't know if you remember watching Michael Jackson concerts and you see the people fall down, things mm -hmm. like that. I was one of those people at the first concert. <laughs> like, I couldn't contain myself. You was beehive back then. Uh, I was. I was. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. So me and my friends decided we were going to uh, dress up like celebrity lookalikes. So I was a lot younger then. So my celebrity lookalike was T.I. So I had a grill in everything, low mm -hmm. haircut, wall, white chains, you know, all that. And so, you know, <laughs> I um I remember I was very close too. Okay. And so um the my mom worked at a daycare. I was living in Nashville. I guess I've seen Beyonce in Nashville two times. <laughs> mm. So um from there uh, the young lady sitting behind me, her mom owned the daycare that my mom worked in, right? So when Beyonce came out the floor, are you ready to be entertained? Yes. Oh, I lost my mind. I was, you lost your mind. I mean, I was... <laughs> Sorry. I was that person, right? I was that person. Okay. She went back and told everybody. No. Y'all should have seen Mr. Eli at the Beyonce concert. It was like he was possessed. You know, I'm that person when she yells out in the audience, I see you. Boom. She see me. She saw you. Yeah. It's beautiful, though. It's an experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's truly an experience to see someone work that hard, and it's like it's effortless. Yes. Effortless. Yes. Yeah. Well, the tour is still going on, and people are still falling out mm -hmm. over Beyonce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Esco's Pop Talk. I need you to repeat after me, Chef Eli, as we come to a close of okay. the podcast in your best North Memphis Frasier Oh, my God. Voice. Repeat. I don't have one of those Re either. Re okay. Repeat after me. We're going to see. <laughs> hey, I can't man. even say mine. Hey, mine. Say mine. Like, I'm Memphis. Like, I say Memphis. Repeat after me, Chef Eli. Okay. Hey, mine. Say mine. <laughs> Let's hear it. Amen. Say man. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Amen. Say man. Okay, this is a moment of transparency between okay. me and you. All right. Because um, on this podcast, we talk about the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, uh, very transparent, like I mentioned. Um, and what I want to ask you for Amen, Say man, what has been the biggest misconception about opening a restaurant business? The mm. biggest misconception. There are a lot of people out here that possibly want to do what you're doing in some capacity. That's like a, just open the business in general, okay. along with it being a restaurant, is, you know, I think people have the idea that entrepreneurs have money. <laughs> mm -hmm. I work for every single, these hands, these feet, they do everything with every single dollar that come in. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? It's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of work. You should have a passion for it. Mm -hmm. If you want to invest in a restaurant and you have no restaurant or food knowledge, 
pay your fare and shut up. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that in a mean way, but you are going on how you want it to appear to people. You're not dealing with the aesthetics and the reality of the everyday thing. Listen to the expert in the subject. Like, I'm not going to come do a podcast with you and tell you, but, you know, I think so and so and so, so. Hell, I don't know nothing about a podcast, but I do know about service and food and how to give an experience and what that looks like and what that takes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and just make sure that it's something that you want to do. You know, nothing that you want to accomplish is going to happen without discipline and sacrifice. I heard mm-hmm. Venus Williams say the other day, discipline is freedom. Because when you become disciplined, you have the freedom to do whatever it is that you want because you've applied yourself to it, you know. And so you have to know, have discipline. I don't care what you want to be. Without it, you're just wasting your time. Yes. And you have to know that it's going to be sacrificed. And in that process, is there's really, I learned from Dana, I can't pronounce her last name, but she works I, with Now, Google. you can't pronounce her last name. I'm not good with names. <laughs> I'm not good with pronouncing certain words, you know. What? Honest moment? Because this is a transparent moment, This is right? a transparent moment. I used to say salsa for a long time, not salsa. Whoops. You used to say salsa? Bring me some of that salsa. Oh. <laughs> Just saying. Oh my! And my son, my chef son, he um, he says to me, um, we were doing um, some oxtail um, umpanadas for um, tone, and I was pronouncing it a whole other way. He said, "Dad, I just need (laughs) you to stop saying that word like that. You're chef Eli, so yeah, I can mess up a word." Wow. But yeah, she, you know, she said this thing. There's no such thing as true balance. You know, you have to find moments. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right now we're in the thick of it. We we just celebrated three months on August 8th. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And so this is the grind time. This mm-hmm. is setting the strong foundation. This is making, you know, I have a saying, if you buy nice, you don't have to buy twice. So if we set the foundation right now. It can move forward. And, you know, maybe I'll be able to not be here on a Thursday or not be here on a Friday. Working towards those kinds of things and really just giving it due process give yourself permission to be in a space where it doesn't go right you know I give myself permission every day to always do my best and whatever that looks like that could be 30 percent that could be 50 Mm -hmm. that could be 70 if it's my best I don't care how you feel about it yes sir. it's it's not for you to decide it's my best Mm -hmm. and so it's just those kind of things and trust the process The process is just going to make you a better, more Mm -hmm. keen, sharp, professional, you know, um, excellent in your craft, whatever it is that you do. Really love it. Like, I love food. I I love to cook for people. I love um, what food can do. I think food is a universal language. I think it connects us in ways that, you know, other things just couldn't. It's a part of everything that we celebrate, that we're a part of. And so um, I am very um, blessed and fortunate that that is my gift to the world. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it, Chef Eli. And I appreciate you for coming on the Verbally Effective Podcast I know we today. finally did it, right? We finally <laughs> did it. And I, I really feel like we need a part two to dig even deeper one day. But uh, we're going to we, chit-chat we about that. We can go deeper. We can Great. go deeper. But see, I know you have a... Demo. Uh, cooking demo to get started. Ooh. But I want to thank you once again for coming on the Verbally Effective Podcast. 
every time I talk with you, every time I'm here, I'm in your presence, I get to learn something new about you. And I really like you, Chef. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> you are a very um, uh, intelligent, cool, just you know how you said on uh, be a good human. Mm-hmm. You are like you. I can really feel oh, that about, energy I'm, from you. You know, I'm really emotional too. I'm Scorpio. I'm about to cry. Don't Thank cry, Chef Eli. You. Thank you. But, um, but that just made me think of my mom. Yeah, like, my mom was a beautiful human. Yes, she was. Yes. Well, yes. I want you to tell the verbally effective audience how they can continue to follow your amazing journey. How can they keep up with you? Okay. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Instagram at. By Chef Eli or Dos Hermanos Cafe. I just got another Facebook. Um, that's a long story, but it's Elijah Townsend. <laughs> um, and we will have our website for Dos Hermanos up very, very soon. I'm here at the library Tuesday through Saturday. Those hours, again, are 1030 a.m. to 8 p.m. Tuesday through Thursday, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Fridays, and brunch on the bluff is 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturdays. And you can catch me strolling downtown on Main Street sometimes, too. Come on, stroll on, <laughs> president of the Downtown Neighborhood Association. Thank you once again, Chef Eli, for coming on the Verbally Effective Podcast live here at Costa Library. Thank you all for tuning in yet again.